Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. of a worship series about the means of grace. And in the United Methodist Church, the means of grace are those things, both corporate and individual, that God has given to us through Scripture, through the traditions of Christianity, and through some of us, some radical experiences and encounters with the Holy Spirit, in order for us to continue to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ and to encounter God's grace for anything that the world will sling at us this week. And so we remember that there are three general rules of the United Methodist Church. The first is that we should do no harm by avoiding evil. There's a lot of things that you could throw in there, but let's just avoid evil. It's a lot easier not to do harm if you are not immersing yourself in evil. And so that would be the first one. The second one is that we are to do all the good that we can in all the ways and in all the places to all the people that we can. And the third is to attend upon the ordinances of God, which include the public worship of God, the ministry of the word, either read or expounded, the supper of the Lord, family and private prayer, searching the scriptures, fasting or abstinence. And today we're discussing family and private prayer. And before you think to yourself, well, I have no family, when we use the word family, we're not referring to people that you are genetically or legally linked. We're talking about the people that you gather with, hopefully by choice, in order to be in relationship as Christ commanded. So you can create a new family if the one to which you are genetically and legally tied is not fruitful for you. You're able to, in the instance of worship, come here and be in the midst of other people and we corporately pray together. And that's an incredible gift because then people who would never meet otherwise are able to form incredible bonds that will bear fruit, not only in their prayer life, but their personal life, their spiritual life. People who are of different socioeconomic classes, people from distinctive racial and ethnic backgrounds, across generation gaps, and gender placement. We are able to overcome barriers that the world would see as insurmountable because we can create a family through faith. And so we're called to this. And it can start as two, but Jesus says wherever two or more are gathered, there I am also. And so two quickly becomes three. And I promise you that if you are faithful, the two or three of you who gather, it won't be long before you find your numbers growing well beyond that. Because people who are knitted together in prayer are attractive to other people. There is something intimate and powerful that those who don't have those connections yearn for. And so they seek them. They seek them out. And so prayer groups do tend to grow over time. Now, when we're talking about prayer as as Jeremiah is talking about it, prayer is a gift. It is our way to call upon the Lord to reach into the highest heavens where God reigns. And nothing can stop your prayers from getting there. 
There is no windstorm, no snow day. There is no lack of internet connection. There is nothing that can stop your prayers. There is no person, no earthly authority, no religious authority that can prevent your prayers from reaching God. And that is why through the years, even when Christianity was under statewide persecution, Christians have been able to use prayer to not only persevere, but to triumph over adversity. Prayer is the means by which we call upon the Lord. And God says through the prophecy of Jeremiah, I will hear you if you search for me with your heart. If you are deeply committed to your prayer life, then you will never cease to find God. There will never come a day where God does not respond because I don't believe there's ever a prayer that goes unanswered. Now, I have prayed many prayers that I didn't like the answer. Whole other problem. But the answers come. And part of the problem is that in our day and age and in this culture in America, we want an instant answer. If I pray, God should just turn right around and tell me the answer. But what we forget is that if we are truly burdened by something and we bring it to God, sometimes we need to have a space where we just leave it to God, where we just turn it over and let God hold it for us. Before God fixes it, sometimes God just has to relieve us of that burden. And until we take a moment to calm down and refocus ourselves and open ourselves up to what God wants us to do with whatever problem or issue we bring to the Lord, we have to have a time of just sitting, being still, and knowing that God is God and that no matter what, God is going to help us. If you call on me, I will come. If you need my help, I will be there for you, says the Lord. And so we have to believe that. I have no doubt that there is nothing that God cannot overcome. There is nothing that God cannot do for us, especially when we're talking about earthly problems. God, who sits on high, is able to see all of this and the things that we see as completely insurmountable, obstacles that would be immovable. God, from God's vantage point and with God's power, can move mountains. So what are we worried about some boulders for? Instead, we have to realize what a gift prayer is. And we're called to personal prayer. That means that every Christian should pray. Every Christian should pray. And not just at Thanksgiving and Christmas at the table. We should pray because it's about the relationship. God says that the more that we call on the name of the Lord, the closer we become. Us and God. And it's not just, God, I'm all good right now, but when the next hurricane hits, you're the first one I'll call. It's about growing the relationship because people who have a strong personal prayer life and connection with our Lord and Savior find that the hurricanes are never a Category 5. That instead, the earthquakes that would shatter the Richter scale, they don't seem so bad when you are grounded in prayer and connection with God. Because God equips us and empowers us, and we know, we know that when we call, God is there. There's no wondering, there's no fear that God may not listen to me. And if all you ever do is blow up God's line with complaints and terror, then I would let that one go to voicemail too. Instead, 
Establish the relationship because very few things truly come out from left field. There are plenty of times where if we are connected with God and we're listening for feedback all along, we will find that sometimes God can actually help us avert the same problems that we would be calling for triage for in a couple months. Because God is that good. God's amazing. Now, we all have people in our lives and sometimes in our households that were like, they're the prayer. When it comes time for the meals or something, they're the one we turn to, right? In my house, that's me, right? I love it, you know, we, I break my fast and I go out to eat uh, generally after church or I'm with my family. And then I love it when Clifton looks at me and like, are you going to pray? I've been praying all morning. Wait, you can't pray? And my kid's like, I'm not praying. I don't know what to pray. Oh, we're going to fix that. There are people who are uncomfortable with prayer. There's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable with prayer at first. But you can't stay uncomfortable with prayer. That's like, I'm really kind of uncomfortable with worship, so I'll never go. Or I'm really kind of uncomfortable with mission, so I'll never do it. I don't think Jesus will buy that. So instead, we have been given incredible gifts on how to get a level of comfort. Not everybody is expected to be Saint Benedict when it comes to prayer. We are not all expected to that. To do that, I have a degree in liturgy. I have some training. I think I have maybe a couple gifts for prayer. But at the end of the day, there are people even better than I am. People who write books. We call them prayer books. Get one. Get one. Because even though I certainly can write my own prayers and do, it is powerful to read other people's prayers. They give us ideas. They show us things we never would have thought of. For instance, this one here is called This Day, A Wesleyan Way of Prayer. It's by Lawrence Stuckey. And you can't get much more Wesleyan than if you are actually a Wesley. And so let me read you this prayer that he composed entitled, For Those Who Grow Weary in the Struggle for Justice. Because I don't know if you've ever struggled for justice, but weariness is ahead. And he says this, God, righteous and enduring, look with pity upon those who grow weary and discouraged in their work for justice. When it seems to them that nothing ever changes for the better, that the forces of evil will always prevail, remind them that you, the Almighty, have endured not years or decades of resistance, but whole centuries and indeed millennia. Yet you promise that your righteousness will triumph, that evil will collapse. Save the tired strivers after justice from doom, daily hoisting a mighty rock up a high hill, only to have it tumble down again. Assure them that the stones they move by grace will be assembled into a house of righteousness upon the highest of the mountains, and that all the peoples of the earth shall stream to it, and that all may walk in the ways of the Lord. Grant this through Jesus, the chief foundation stone. Amen. I'm not even going to try to do better than that. That's awesome. These are the kinds of things that we've been given. And we've been given them through our brothers and sisters across denominations. This is my Catholic prayer book. Unless we forget those two are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Hear this prayer. Lord Jesus, I give you my hands to do your work. I give you my feet to go your way. I give you my eyes to see as you do. 
I give you my tongue to speak your words. I give you my mind that you may think in me. And I give you my spirit that you may pray in me. Above all, I give you my heart that you may love in me, your Father and all humankind. I give you my whole self that you may grow in me so that it is you, Lord Jesus, who lives and works and prays in me. Amen. And lastly, I'm going to share with you a prayer from one of our Abrahamic brothers and sisters. This is a weekday prayer book from the Rabbinical Assembly. So this is used in synagogues. And lest we forget, according to Genesis, they too are our siblings. And here is a prayer from Yigdal, which is a morning prayerful chant. And it says this, The living God we praise, exalt, adore. He was, he is, he will be evermore. No unity like unto his can be. Eternal, inconceivable is he. No form or shape has the incorporeal one, most holy beyond all comparison. He was, ere aught, was made in heaven or on earth, but his existence has no date or birth. What a beautiful way to extol the eternalness of our God. And so these are fabulous things to have, to be inspired, to go on to perfection in how we pray. Or some of us just realize that we're going to need help forever, and that's okay. Because the truth is that the best prayers ever offered, ever, I don't care if they're in the Bible or they're in the annals of history, the best prayers ever are not liturgically eloquent. They are not perfect renditions in the language in which they were composed. They are not always built upon the most solid biblical or theological foundation. Instead, the one thing they all have in common is this. They are authentic. They are honest and open, vulnerable and true. And if you are willing to pray that way, then your prayer will be more powerful than any other prayer whether it is given to you or composed with you or for you, no prayer except the one that is truly from the depths of your heart will be more beautiful to the ears of God. We are encouraged to explore that and to find our voice. And we all pray differently. I have friends who it seems like every time I'm in worship with them and they lead prayer, they're like angry prayers. You're like, wow. I don't know that I would really want that if we were trying to make everybody feel lovey and happy today. But I'm going to keep you in mind for Good Friday. It's on for Good Friday. Right? You think about where your gifts are. And so we discover that some of us have a voice and a perspective that other people need to hear. There are people who write prayer books for disabled persons. Because guess what? They don't pray the same things that able-bodied people do. There are prayer books for people who are dying in hospice. There are prayer books for children and for youth and for college students. There are prayer books for people who are in financial distress. There are prayer books for men and women. There are all kinds of prayer books. And they are there because the one thing that is consistent across Christendom is that it is the same Holy Spirit inspiring them. And if the Holy Spirit can inspire a prayer in me that will bless another person, then do I not have a duty to share it? We have a responsibility to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit for each other. 
That's why there are people who are so gifted at prayer. And we pray a lot in Christendom. We pray multiple times in a worship service. And sometimes we pray when we didn't expect to pray. Yesterday, I stood here and we had a wedding for Kelsey Pace and Clint Boyd. And we had the Methodist order of worship for a marriage ceremony. And we prayed at least five times in the midst of that worship service. And then if that weren't done, we went to the reception hall. And after they had the introductory speeches and toasts, the DJ said, and now Pastor Sarah Avantra will be praying. What? I didn't know that. Blessedly, I'm all right at that. Praying spontaneously. So I was able to do it. And you know what I prayed for? That that would be the beginning of a celebration that would bring back to the mind of our Lord and Savior looking down from the highest heaven of the first miracle at the wedding of Cana. Where he would say to all the heavenly hosts, you know, the wedding of Cana, it's an unbeatable wedding. But this one, man, this is looking like number two. Because you can use prayer to get people excited you can use prayer to celebrate. Have you ever been somewhere and everybody's excited and they're like, all right, we're going to pray and everybody gets like this. As soon as they're done, we'll party again. Have the prayer be happy. Have the prayer be celebratory. Start working on the prayer now. I know it looks like I just speak off the top of my head, but I promise you before God Almighty that I think about some of these things long before I get here. And I do have some prayerful things in my back pocket, right? These are things that you could do. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this year that if there is an event where someone always prays, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or Mother's Day brunch, whatever it is, I want to challenge you now to start working on the prayer. And you can have it written out. There's no penalty for writing out your prayer. Have it. And so when someone goes, who's praying? You're like, I will. I will pray. We're going to give Pastor Sarah the day off. I'm going to pray. Because the truth is that there is something beautiful about somebody who wants to pray. Right? Have you ever been in a Methodist committee meeting? I know you've never been in a Methodist committee meeting. And they go, all right, we need to open a prayer. Who wants to pray? And everybody's like, and there's always someone who's like, she's sitting right there. She can do it. And she can. But she shouldn't have to. She shouldn't have to. I love it when I get to listen to you pray. Because then I really hear what's important to you. I get to hear the things that you think about and the things you struggle with. And then I can add that to my prayers. I have many prayer lists. I could probably spend all day praying. I don't have the opportunity to do that, but I probably could. Right now, I'm in charge of the provisional class that has now 18 people who are pursuing ordination. I'm going to be with them on Tuesday and Wednesday. I pray for them every day by name. And I don't know all of them, but I know their name. And I'm praying that even though I don't know their situations and I don't know their struggles right now, I know that the church has begun the process of affirming that they are called and that I open myself up to God. If there's some way I can help them, help me be there for them. I have a pastoral prayer list where people will email me or call me or catch me in the parking lot at Harris Teeter and say, I need you to pray for this. 
fine. That's on my confidential pastoral prayer list. I'm also part of the prayer team. So when you submit prayers on your connection card or on the prayer cards that are in your pew, those come under me also. And I pray for those too. I pray for all of those things because the more I pray, the better I am at hearing God. I hear God better. And you will too. And there are people who pray much better than I do, and I'm talking both family and private prayer. And I am in awe of them. I am amazed by people who have been truly gifted by God with the ability to pray. And they inspire me, and sometimes I feel completely inconsequential next to them, but I thank God that I am privileged to be in a church with people like that. You might be the next prayer warrior. And trust me, when people feel assailed, when people feel bogged down by life and at their wit's end, they need to know strong and powerful Christians are praying for them. And not people who are perfect and have it all figured out. People who just have the gift from the Holy Spirit for prayer. And what shocks me is that God is forever raising up new ones forever raising up new ones. That's why we teach the children to pray. That's why it's so important that they feel like it's okay and that we can bless everything from prayer shawls to toys on Christmas Day, that we are able to give thanks for what God has given us, no matter how big or small, childlike or mature it is. And so we pray. And it is not only what God expects and what God demands, but it is God's gift I have yet to officiate a funeral where I did not declare from the pulpit that those who die now rest in God, held in trust for the day of the resurrection. And so if our loved ones now rest in God, when we pray to God, we are able to ask God to convey things that we are no longer able to do because of death. What greater gift could we have to still be connected to our loved ones through God, through the gift of prayer? We are able to overcome death with prayer. It's a powerful thing to stay that knitted together through the years and through the difference between this temporal life and the eternal one. We have been given an incredible gift. And sometimes we just save it for family meals. Sometimes we think, well, that's for some people and not us. If you want to encounter the grace of God, pray. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be you. And if you do, I promise you, as I stand here in the house of God, that you will find that things change. They change in here, they change here, and they certainly start to change out there. We have been given a powerful means to make change. And all throughout our lives, the more we engage prayer, the more God is changing us to withstand the onslaught of out there. We are being equipped and empowered to make change. Why do you think there's a prayer for those who get exasperated for the struggle for justice? They were struggling for justice back when the prophet Jeremiah was walking around. We're still struggling for justice today. But the one continuity through all of that struggle is God and our ability to pray to God. And if we are willing to engage it and use it, you can never abuse it. We will 
begin to see those rocks rolled away and justice rain down like water. Righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This is what God is calling us to, to encounter this means of grace. And don't think that it's just so, it's like calling home and letting your mom know, okay, you're okay. Right? I still call my mom. And you know one of the greatest gifts of prayer is? You know, you get to a certain point in your life and, you know, you want to kind of you know, tell somebody, you know, when something was going really right. I don't know, it's not bragging. It's more of like, you know, just like, look how awesome you were, mom. Let me tell you what I did today. Right? And so I call my mother and I'll tell her, like, here's something that went really well. And you know what my mother always says? So what went wrong? Mom, I'm trying to tell you how awesome your child is because you're a great mom. And she's like, uh-huh. And so what didn't go right? Because the truth is that nothing is ever perfect and nothing is ever truly all bad. And prayer helps us to have a dialogue with God who reshapes how we understand the way the world is. We need to be in prayerful conversation with our God. The only way the Bible was ever made was from dozens upon dozens of God's faithful in prayerful conversation who opened themselves up, not to their words, but God's. And if we can still read the prayers that are in here and be impacted, then we are also called to add our voice to this. And pray angry if that's your gift. Pray with sorrow if you need to. Pray however you need to pray. And you can pray and be angry. It's okay. God can take it. There's an entire book called Lamentations, which is just wailing at God for the state of the Israelites. God not only could take all of Lamentations, God made it a permanent part of the record. There's nothing that we can throw at God that God cannot handle. And don't forget that we serve a God who says, give it to me. Relieve yourselves of the burden and bring me your sorrow, your despair, your pain, your suffering, your mourning, your regrets, your failures, your sins. Bring them to me. I will bear you and them. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one now and forever. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.